I think openness to failure is as important as openness to success, because if you're not open to failure, you're not open to trying new things, full stop. And you're going to keep rolling out the same trite things that maybe aren't the best things. So it's really is important to try new things. And where you give yourself the credibility is the fact that you are measuring and you are looking at, at whether or not this works objectively. Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. Good experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotypes tend to break down in proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. everyone. Welcome to We're Only Human. I am Ben Eubanks, your host, and I am really glad to have you here as part of the conversation today. So we're going to be talking about data. We're talking about analytics. We're talking about asking better questions and all kinds of fun stuff around that. I don't, you probably know this by now if you've listened for any length of time, but I am a, a data nerd. I love the numbers. I love the data, but I always share that with one caveat. I don't love it for its own sake. I love it for the, the value it can teach us. The things that can tell us, hey, you're on the right path. Keep going hey, you've done that for a long time. It, it's a terrible decision. Stop doing that. And all the flavors in between that. So I'm really looking forward to diving in with Caitlin Digsby today from the Fear. We're going to talk about some of those kinds of things. This is what they do. This is how they serve their customers. And they're helping companies around the world kind of tackle those problems. So I think it'll be a fun conversation. And our goal is to try to make it very practical for you today, because I know that sometimes when we get into people analytics and things like that, it can feel very hard to wrap your arms around. And I'm going to try, my, my goal today is to make this as simple as we can. It can get super complex as you get more mature in that space and that's fine. But I want to try to make it as actionable for you as possible. So enough lead in. Caitlin, welcome to the conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So before we dive into all the fun stuff, will you take a few minutes and tell the audience a little more about who you are and what you do? I'm the product marketing director for Vizier. Uh, Vizier specializes in people analytics. We, like you, love analytics and what it can do and how people can act on it. And we've absolutely just dedicated to people analytics as it has the biggest possibility for impact on, on workplaces. And as a product marketing director, my job is to help people understand how they can do that, how they can leverage analytics and do better with it. I come from an HR tech background. I've been in HR tech for 25 years, um, including uh, spending a lot of time as a consultant. So I've spent a lot of years on the ground, CHROs and directors and whatnot, trying to, trying to do better. And I think I'm, I'm finally in the right place where we can do a whole lot better. Tremendous. I love that. I'm thinking as you're talking through that, that some of those things, I'm thinking back to the times where I've done a little bit of consulting here and there, and that's going to weave into the conversation today as well, because it's about identifying a problem and figuring out where do the data lie that we can you know, tackle that. So that'll be fun, fun to get into that. So as I alluded to earlier, I want to try to make this, we could go as deep and, and to our heart's content, we could go as deep as we wanted to here. I want to start off by talking about some really practical kinds of things and use cases. So would you be so kind as to give me a couple examples, a couple of uh, questions that customers can answer or questions that people can answer as they're thinking about this or different use cases for people analytics just to help us get our feet wet a little bit as we start plunging into the topic. 
Oh, there are so many examples that it's almost hard to choose. I think um, a really easy one, a really low hanging fruit is to uh, looking at span of control. How many, how many managers in your organization are managing just one person versus managing a team? And what is, is there a relationship between the number of managers and productivity and finding that that optimal balance between individual contributors and manager roles. That's um, an easy cost-saving approach, uh, productivity approach. It's not inspiring <laughs> terribly. It's not like, you know, changing the world, but it's easy and it's practical and it's so much easier to do when you have analytics in front of you. Another fantastic example from one of our customers was a turnover problem. They had, their turnover was higher than they would have liked. Uh, when they looked a little deeper, they discovered it was actually concentrated amongst a couple of locations and a couple of roles. And that allowed them to figure out how to specifically target that particular problem and turn things around. So it's an excellent way of looking at turnover. We're talking a lot about diversity, inclusion, and equity right now. That's a huge topic. And data analytics helps give you insight into you know, why people are leaving. Why you know, Is there a problem in promotions? Are we rewarding people and promoting people equitably? What does our talent acquisition pipeline look like? Are we attracting enough cap? candidates, but not hiring them? Are we not attracting enough? There's, it gives you that visibility into a number of different topics that you just don't have otherwise. As you start talking through those, it's easy. I'm, I'm starting to, every one of those you give, I'm like, oh, and here's one related to that. And here's one related yes. to that. And like you said, there's, it's like that the branching out, everyone you, you give gives you three or four other ones that you can expand to and go from there. And oh, for the people that are listening to this, if you haven't gone deep here, Stop and pick something that matters, not just to you, but to your leadership team, the things that matter to your organization, because I think I'm going to ask, actually let you take that one because I want to, I want to speak into that yet. Caitlin, talk about the importance of not just taking the, taking our HR goggles off. Sorry, you've been a consultant, so you've seen this, right? This is bringing yeah. you in. They wanted your, your expertise and things. Talk about taking the HR goggles off a little bit and putting our, our business lenses on as we're thinking about these problems, because sometimes the things that we we might care about or think are a big deal, sometimes might not be on their radar as much. And so would you advocate for someone to, to start with a business problem, right? To, to tackle that or, or what do you think there? Oh, well, hundred percent start with a business problem. I think there, for one thing, everything's a business problem in the end. And for another, for most organizations, what we're seeing, the people are, so everything will tie back to the people. You're not leaving them behind. You're not ignoring the well-being of your people. Everything connects. But if you can put it into the lens of the business problem, you're going to get far more impact, far more buy-in. And it will give you that freedom to start to do a whole lot more as well. It's just going to really just be that much more impactful and meaningful. So if the, the business problem could be anything from productivity, a concern about turnover, HR is concerned about turnover. Yes, but so are, so are the, the leaders. They don't want their best performers leaving. That's a business problem. DE&I has again been elevated to a very public company level issue to tackle, but yeah, what's what does the CEO care about? What did the line manager, what did, did the executives care about? Uh, you will be able to tie that back to people problem because of everything's people. That is one of the, one of my favorite things to ask. I'm so glad you, you started with that piece of it. Cause one of the things I like to ask is uh, take a second and think about your leadership team, right? What, is, what are the things that are keeping them up at night? What are the things that are worrying them? Because as um, you tie those together, it might be that they're worried about quality or customer satisfaction, or they're worried about uh, this, this operational metric, 
But at the end of the day, you can probably pull a lever somewhere and tie that back to a people, a people piece, something exactly. in there. Whether and that's so much fun to, to try. Again, for me, it's like a puzzle. For some people, it's just tell me the problem, and we'll go solve that. But I yeah. love understanding the, the connections there because the better you you get what the business does, and we can have some fun stories about that. The better you get what the business does, the, the quicker you're able to say, hey, you know what? We actually we have something we can do to impact that in in the right way and lead to a better outcome. And so that's a ton of fun to dive into. So one of the things I want to ask you about is asking a better question uh, when it comes to this. And maybe it's probably related to the, the piece we we're talking about there. When it comes to getting a little more mature, so we walk along this, this curve, I feel like today in terms of maturity, as someone is getting better at solving some of those, those questions you talked about, we're, we're getting better at measuring it come, there comes a point where you have to get better at asking questions and even early on asking the right questions. Talk about that as part of this, whether it's from a, we've got to figure out a hypothesis and how do I do that? Or how do I know what questions to ask? It's, it feels like it's, again, very broad kind of thing. And I'm hoping the audience can get a, a key takeaway or two around how to, to think about that part of the process because you don't want to get done with the project and say, okay, now how do we go back and measure if that actually works? Because that's a terrible way to do it. And by yeah. the way, it's probably too late. Yeah. Uh, I think I always like to start with what do you hope to accomplish and, and how will you been successful? That's always a good place to start because that gives you your, your baseline. So if you are, are hoping to accomplish a change in your turnover numbers, then you should start by measuring what your turnover numbers are. And then also understanding that, that you a high level turnover number is interesting. So, you know, company wide, my turnover number is X or percentage is X. That's not helpful though, in terms of coming up with, with ways to address it and tackle it. You need to be able to investigate where it is. Does it fluctuate by certain jobs or departments or locations or managers? Uh, so you do want to have some sense of, um, what are the variables that are going to impact whatever it is you are looking at? To take a step back, not be a total product shill, but one that we actually spend a lot of time at Vizier thinking about questions, the questions that people need to know. We have an entire team dedicated to address writing questions that, that can be investigated right away and actually guiding um, new users, new people to analytics through thinking through a problem, starting at the top, going in a little deeper and so on. Because managing people is is Every company is different. Every company is also the same. So we, we tried to address a lot of the, the questions to help every company kind of work, work through that. But, but yeah, think about what you, you want your outcome to be and how you're going to measure that and, and the variables that are going to impact the potential problem so that you can come up with the solution that is. I'm going to use that as the teaser for the episode. I love, I love the simplicity of that. Think about the outcome you want. You can work towards that instead of we don't do that in our real lives. You don't just start driving and say, I'll get the map out eventually to try yeah, to figure out where to go. Exactly. When I'm halfway with, there, that's what I'll figure it out. Yes. Let's, let's draw <laughs> that, that, those points now. Let's pull the GPS out now and then we'll leave because we've got some planning yeah. behind that. So you talked about a turnover a minute ago. I was going to tell you a quick story because you'll, it'll resonate with you. Hopefully it'll help the audience to, to understand because the, the turnover thing, again, it hit me. Years ago, the first HR jobs I ever had, we had a horrendous turnover problem. We, we had just 50% or so a year for one of our types of positions and it was not high paying. It was very difficult. And so we, we ran this problem over and over again. And so it happened so long. The company was like, eh, that's just how it is. That's accepted. 
And I was the new guy. So I'm, I've still got my, my rose colored glasses on thinking we can do this. We can change this. So I started looking back at our, at our data and we didn't have anything in one place. So I went, I pulled all of the turnover data, went through all the dusty files and hand jammed all this in over the course of about two, three months for five years worth of information we had for why people left. And I was able to start analyzing that and say, hey, wait, a big portion of this is happening in the first 90 days in the job. And what are we doing in our hiring process to prep them? Are we doing something there? Or maybe our training isn't quite you know, hitting what it needs to. Or I found that in one region, the turnover was half that of all the others. And they're doing something great. We've got to figure that out over here. And once we had those kinds of insights, it allowed us to think about the actual next step. Because again, I want you to talk to this. Gathering the data is one thing. The yeah. intervention, what you do next, is another entirely. And you talked about understanding the metrics for success and thinking about those pieces, but talk a little bit about the, the next step. Once you've identified a problem or you figured out what the current state is, how do you decide what the intervention is, how to, what stakeholders you bring in? Talk about that piece a little bit, because I think, again, that's the next logical kind of step in this process. Yeah, yeah, we call this uh, the step, the align step, where you're aligning it with the people who are on the ground, the people who do things. And the reason for that is the data gives a lot of great insight. It doesn't give absolutely every insight. So like you mentioned in your anecdote, you realize a region is doing something different. The data doesn't tell you what it is, but it gives you enough to go to them and say, hey, guys. Tell me, what are you doing that we're not doing somewhere else? And it's also a good chance to talk to everybody who, who can see it with their own eyes and start to reconcile what's actually happening with what the data is telling them. And then coming up with the solutions, evidence has shown, there's a lot of research to show this, that cross-functional teams are the most effective teams uh, in getting things done, particularly around things like diversity and inclusion, but across the board. And that's because you do get different um, perspectives, different insight. You can you want, say if it's new training, you will want your learning and development person involved, obviously, but they don't maybe know the practicalities of the job day to day. So you might need the line manager. They don't maybe know the stresses that people are dealing with that you're going to want to factor into the course design. So the players you want to have involved are, are the, the people who can provide valuable insight into the potential solution. But what that solution is, obviously, is going to be as, as unique as the individual problem. It could be training. It could be Maybe it's as much, the only difference in turnover is a 50 cent raise an hour. Maybe that's all it takes to keep people. You don't know until you can see what the data tells you. Then you can come up with a solution. I think HR is really great at coming up with good programs and, and good solutions. The, what has always hobbled them is knowing where to apply them and where it's appropriate because they didn't have enough insight into the actual problem to pick the right solution. Peanut butter spread is not a strategy. We yes. just layer the same thing across everybody and say, okay, let's hope that we had a training problem in department A. We're just going to give everybody this training and hope that solves the problem across the organization when you could have just spent a, four, a fourth of that budget on department A instead of giving it to everybody else mm-hmm. that didn't really actually need it. And so I love yeah. the, I love that. We're, I'll say it again, make sure I got it right. HR's good at coming up with program solutions, right? We're not always good at figuring out where to apply those things, is what you said. Yes. And I, I think that's so true. The, I don't know if that comes from the, we've got to do it the same for everybody because we've got to be quote unquote fair. I don't know yeah. if that's why or what it is, but we're missing a chance because if if the if this group over here has got that down and you're going to put them through that training or you're going to give them that intervention, whatever else, and it's not going to actually make it any better, then it's wasted time for them. It's wasted effort for you. And you could have yeah. used that somewhere else to make a bigger impact. And I... One of the things I think is so critical here is, you know, I think HR wait for far too long has been dismissed as light and fluffy and not impactful. 
And one of the unfortunate reasons for this is they've applied interventions where they weren't necessary or weren't maybe the right fit for the actual problem that was there. It wasn't that there was anything wrong with the intervention or knowing what to do. It just wasn't applied in the right place. And of course, there was no measurements for success to prove that there was an impact. If you put a training program in place where it's needed, and you can see a dramatic result and you will be heroes. Put a training program in place where it's not needed. You're not going to see a big shift and everybody will think you were just wasting time and money. See, there's what you get when you could let HR in the room. They're, yeah, exactly. They're, gonna, they're spending money chasing the satisfaction thing or feel happy instead of actually leading to the right business yeah. outcomes that are keeping the doors open for the company. And that, is, that has always been a, a struggle. What, some of the yeah. jobs that I've had in HR, I worked probably similar to consulting, right? We worked in companies where the workforce was direct bill to the customer and OHR overhead, not yes. strategic enabler, not the one that helps us pinpoint problems, not the one that enables better performance, but overhead. And yeah. that was always, I, it was my all, always a mission. Let's fight against that stereotype. Let's try to bring extra value. Let's try to change that perception because it's just a, a part of the industry we were in. And Unfortunately, even if someone's not in that kind of space where it feels where they call you out and say, hey, you're overhead, you can still get that perception if you're not, if you're yes. approaching problems with this feels like a good decision instead of the data say, this is a good decision. Yes. Yeah, so going back to that very first question you asked me, how could you take the HR goggles off and tie it to the business problem? That's why you, you do this right away. You say, see business, we solved a problem for you. And yeah. now let us go forth and solve more business problems. <laughs> I have a good friend that works for a company and that he said that was his actual, his, the moment he knew he arrived as a strategic leader in HR, he said, we always talk about it, but he said that I knew I had arrived when I got a call about something and said, Hey, we've got a problem with this over here. It's not an HR thing, but we want your input on it because they realized that he was so good at seeing the problem and defining what it had and his this, this great clarity. And he said, I, when I start calling about problems that aren't People problems, like you said, Caitlin, it ultimately often comes back to that almost always, right? It's a people issue, but they give him calls about things that are not people problems. And that's that's what I've always aspired to since then. I heard him tell me that story because that's a great thing for everyone listening to this. Yeah. Are you doing like Caitlin's talking about? Are you asking the right questions? Are you making sure your stakeholders what they need, but also you're making sure that they're aware when you're solving problems? Because if you do, they'll come to you next time there's another one. There's no shortage of problems in the <laughs> business space, but yeah. you want them to call you when there's a chance for you to, to support that and save the day, right? That's how you get more credibility and more clout and more, more ownership in the organization. Exactly, exactly. One of the things you talked about, you mentioned a line, right? We talked about asking questions and I know there's an actual framework that you have. Would you quickly walk us through those steps? Because I've, it helps to give a little bit of a, Frame, right? So this bigger uh -huh. conversation, a little bit of a, an outline to the conversation. So someone that's thinking about this and whether you're taking notes or you're just going to remember this all later because Caitlin is incredible and super sharp, give us those, those steps in that framework so we can get a little bit of something in our head as we're thinking through one of these problems or challenges we're facing. Sure. We call it the Ask, Align, Act framework. It's a, a proactive problem-solving framework. So you're not waiting for there to be a burning dumpster fire somewhere and, and reacting to it. You are, you are actually kind of investigating proactively and trying. And the ask piece, it's, uh, there's a couple of steps under each one. So under a lap, ask, we suggest 
a, or a really unbiased survey of your data. Pick a topic. It can, you can't look at everything, but uh, let, let's say, for example, turnover. And I mentioned earlier with the, this customer example, they had a turnover problem. What they did was they just looked at the data across the board and they looked at it by a number of the, the different dimensions. So that's the initial assess step. So just assess the landscape. Um, and just see where some of those nails are sticking out a little higher than other places and, and make note of them. Then the next one is to dig in a little bit more and just say, so, okay, I see a problem here in this location. I see a, a problem by this job. What happens if I look at location and job together? Is it even higher? Is my turnover even higher because there's some kind of correlation between job and location? Um, of course, what you actually dig into is going to depend on what you find in that first step. That's why we say go in with, a, with an open mind. Next piece is the align phase. And this is where you bring in your practitioners. So you summarize your results. You sit down with them and say, this is what we found. How does this sit with you? Why does this align with what you see every day? Can you give me some ideas of where else to look? Uh, what else should I be digging into? What should I pull forward from it? With their feedback, you can go back, refine your findings, do that final bit of alignment. And then share the results back with everybody, what you found and take um, everybody through what you found. We started here, this inquiry led to this inquiry, the alignment phase, we, we ended up looking at these three things. And this is the conclusion we've come to. We have determined that it's this specific job in these specific locations where we have problems and we need to address them here. And addressing them, this also is a great place to, to say, if we do not address them, this is the out likely outcome. We will lose X amount of money. We will spend X amount of money hiring new people. And an example of this company, what they determined is that these were revenue generating roles that they were struggling with. So that meant a lot of lost money, not just in, in hiring, but in, in productivity. And they determined again, with the help of the practitioners during the alignment was that it was, it was onboarding and clarification. So we have that's ask high level overview, align with practitioners, dig in more, come to your conclusions and share them. And then the final piece is act. And that's where the task force or the stakeholders take that information and hopefully they are able to have those analytics in a form that they can interact with as well. Because uh, a lot of people find, oh, I wonder what if, you know, kick the tires, poke a little bit. But they also have the baseline of you know, where, where they're starting from. Come up with the interventions. And then the very last step is monitor your results. So you have your baselines now as your interventions are put into place. You can start to see whether they're working. Do you need to adjust? Do you need to pivot? Do you, if you've done a pilot, do you, is it time to expand? That kind of thing. So ask, align, act. It's, it's pretty simple. We have lots of, of assets that can help explain that to people who would like to learn a bit more. Excellent. I have one more question for you before we start wrapping up, because as you're talking about that, something popped in my head that we never really talk about when it comes to the people analytics, but it's something that happens. And the, the question is, sometimes we measure something and either we didn't change what we thought we'd change or right, it didn't have the impact we thought it would. We're, we're, often it's a kind of a process of experimentation. Sometimes it's very clear, right? Do this one thing, like you said, 50 cents, done. We've solved that problem. But sometimes it's not as clear cut and we might measure something or try something and it doesn't lead to that impact. We tried that pilot and it didn't change whatever the result was. And I'm curious, do you see is openness or the openness to experimentation or the like a, a, someone, a company that leans towards iterative approaches, is that a is that something that defines a company that's good at this long term? It's not you tried it once, you're failed, you're out. We're not trying that again. Is it both? 
I don't know that there's the right answer for this. I'm curious if you've seen working with customers over the last few years, what's, what is that part of that kind of cultural approach or leadership approach saying, we are open to experimenting with this and we're going to try to find the right answers. Obviously, we want to find the right one more often than you find the wrong one. But mm-hmm. I just haven't never heard anyone talk about that before. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think openness to failure is as important as openness to success because if you're not open to failure, you're not open to trying new things, full stop. And you're going to keep rolling out the same trite things that maybe aren't the best things. So it's really is important to try new things. And where you give yourself the credibility is the fact that you are measuring and you are looking at, at whether or not this works objectively. But absolutely, you need to try things, be open to, to seeing what works and what, what doesn't, because the world is changing too quickly for us to keep doing same old, which means that somebody has to step up and try. I love that. Very well said. And I changed what I said earlier. That's going to be the teacher because that is awesome. <laughs> I love that. Caitlin is, is the queen of one-liners, apparently. So if someone has enjoyed the conversation today, they want to know more about this year, the customers you're serving. I know there's lots of case studies and things on the website. If someone wants to just know more, what's the best way for them to do You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to, to talk to people on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to vizier.com, V-I-S-I-E-R.com. We have a tremendous number of assets available on our site, uh, including I do have a webinar posted, uh, the Ask Align Act webinar. If you search Vizier Ask Align Act, You'll, you'll find that where we actually have a demo. It's, uh, it's me talking about the framework and uh, spliced in with a, a fabulous demo by my colleague, Mike. So you can actually see what that looks like in, in actuality. So that's the best way to, to reach us. Wonderful. I'll make sure and get the links in the show notes for those because I think Fantastic. people Thank will you. want to dive into that and go straight into it because I, as I have had the benefit of hearing you talk on the framework in the past and even I'm over there, you know, making notes seriously. Like this is, is it simple? Yeah. But it takes this topic that seems so big as we started out today, right? It seems so big, so hard to wrap your arms around and makes it step as simple as you can for something that big. And then as you get more mature, as you measure more things, as you get more, more focused on measuring and make that a habit, you can go as deep as you want to go. You can measure umpteen million things, but starting with those kind of key things and just getting better and better at that, building that muscle of measurement and reporting back, I think that's a, that's a great piece of that. I yeah. have really enjoyed and the I, conversation. Yeah, go well, ahead. thank you. I did too. I'm sorry. I, don't, I know we're at the end and you're wrapping up, but I just want to say too, you don't have to start with a lot of data to get a lot of good information. You can start with eight data points, a core demographic data that you have sitting in your HR solution, and you can learn a ton. So you don't have to go deep to, to learn a lot. I'm glad you, you mentioned that too. Again, as I said at the very beginning, for the entire audience and for you as for your benefit as well, like I wanted to make this theme achievable for people because I unfortunately have seen in the last few years when I talk to someone's interested in analytics, whether they want to get into the space or they're trying to get smarter about that from a, a just hey, I'm an HR practitioner and I want to build that analytics kind of a skill. They said it, it feels like you're looking at someone across this big chasm and you can't figure out how to get to the other side because they're over there. They've arrived. They've got a great story and a case study. Look at this. Here's what we're doing. And we're over here and we've we've just moved up from Excel to an HR system where we have this <laughs> HR thing where we dump all of our data, but we have no idea how to get it out. And yeah. it just feels an insurmountable sort of obstacle. And I'm really hoping that for those of you listening today, you've got some good ideas, some takeaways, some examples, all those kinds of things to make this feel very tangible for you. And the data we have, the data that, that we've been gathering on this says that as automation 
disruption, things like that start changing the role of HR and talent professionals as those things start to evolve because parts of our job are being done more and more by technology, the things that matter, some of those skills that are coming out are not just the, the soft and human skills, right? Collaboration, those kind of things, but also being able to look at the data and figure out what it's saying, being very curious and asking questions as you talk. That was that goes right in line with how Caitlin was talking about that today and how we, we dive into those things. So there's a lot of evidence saying we need to be building this skill in ourselves. And so this was really perfect timing. Again, I, I appreciate you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you. It was, it was fun. Awesome. Wonderful. So everybody else, thank you for hanging out with us. Don't forget, you got the framework from her. Ask the right questions, align your findings with what you're seeing, act and monitor, and you're going to get better at analytics over time. So excited to, to share some insight with you today and to learn from Caitlin myself. I'll catch you next time on We Are Only Human. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit onlyhumanshow.com.